you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. Amen, amen. How's everybody doing this morning? Awesome. My name is Mark. My wife and I serve as the lead pastors here at Sozo. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. It is a pleasure to be with you. I hear there's something on TV today, so we appreciate you guys being here with us. I don't know what it is, but uh, whatever. Um, real quickly, uh, just want to remind you, I know we mentioned it in our uh, video, but we do have our vision night coming up here on uh, on the 21st. Our vision night is absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite things we do every year. And this year, we are, we're all sad. Raise your hands if you're sad that you're not in Hawaii right now. If your hand is not up, you're lying. Um, so we decided we're going to bring a little Hawaii to us. We're going to have a little luau. We're going to have some good food. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be amazing. Uh, but really, what, uh, what our vision night is all about is, uh, is really trying to look back and celebrate all that the Lord has done over the past year and try to look ahead and see what the Lord may, may be calling us to prepare for in the year to come. And, and I'm super, super excited. We, we got together as a staff, and, and we're looking at the night. And, and really, it's amazing to me all that the Lord has done. You know, um, I heard a few people have negative opinions about the year 2020. Uh, but, I, but when we actually stopped and we looked back over all that the Lord did over 2020, it's amazing. And we want to be able to celebrate together. So I want to say this as, as strongly, as boldly as I can. If this is your church, this is your night. You need to be a part. You need to be here. We're going to feed you. So come on. The best kind of food in the world is free food. So we're going to have free food. So come on out. Uh, there will be child care available if you need it. If you want to get a sitter at home, that's great. If not, we will have child care. We'll give your kids pizzas. We'll rile them all up, and then we'll send them home with you. So uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. Uh, you will be out of here by 8 o'clock. It will be fantastic. How many people have been to Vision Night before? How many people would say it's awesome and it was worth the price of admission? Totally worth it. If you don't like it, we'll give you your money back. Um, all right, let's, let's jump in now. We've got a lot to cover this morning. It's been a full morning already. Um, we are in the midst of a series in John. We've been here for a few weeks, and um, we're going to remain here uh, for a few more weeks at least in, in the book of John, I think. Been here for a few years. We'll be here for a few more years. Um, it's been good, though. We've been in John chapter 12 as we've been looking specifically at this act that Mary does to Jesus where she, she anoints the feet of Jesus and the reactions and the response of all the other people in the room. We've been looking at this specifically as it relates to worship. And so uh, what we want to kind of do this morning, I want to sort of uh, Make a, a, a begin to sort of make a shift and a transition in our approach to this text, and and maybe even start uh, possibly laying some groundwork to move on to the next passage, which will only continue expanding our understanding of worship. Uh, so I want to just answer a few quick questions, give us a quick review, and sort of try to make this shift this morning. So, uh, big first question: What are we talking about in the context of this text? Uh, talk about worship, we say that, but what do we mean by worship? So let's define what we mean. What we're talking about is external expressions of exaltation. External expressions of exaltation. So we're talking about actually, physically worshiping. We're not talking about thinking worship thoughts. Come on, somebody. We're not talking about just uh, uh, being happy internally and just believing that God knows our hearts and that's enough. No, what we're talking about is the external expression of our worship. And so specifically, we've been sort of trying to tie ourselves down to the corporate expression. Amen? We had, we had evenings of worship. We gathered together in the evenings all through the month of January and practiced, come on, what we were learning. And we just worshiped Jesus. We didn't do anything else. We just worshiped Jesus. We just exalted Jesus. We expressed our exaltation externally. Amen? So who are we exalting? Come on, this should be easy. Who are we exalting? Jesus. Come on, somebody. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. I need to make sure you're awake. We are exalting Jesus. Jesus is the full and the final expression of the Father to us. Jesus is God's revelation of himself to us. He is God made flesh come down to show us what God is like. Everything we need to know about God we find in Jesus. Amen? And we worship him. We exalt him. We lift him up. We magnify his name. 
Why do we exalt Jesus? These are things we've covered. This is all just a review. I'm going quick, but, but you all know all this stuff. Because, we said this, we, we exalt Jesus because he is wor- whole, worthy and holy, and in him I am welcome and home. Amen? We worship him worthy and holy. What we mean by that is we worship him for what he does, but also we worship him for who he is. We worship him for his actions and also his attributes. We worship him because he is worthy. He shows us, he demonstrates, he displays his worthiness in his behavior, in his actions, in his faithfulness, in his goodness toward us. And yet we saw last week that as we peer into the eternal, as we peer past the physical and into the spiritual, we see that the angels worship God as well. And they worship him not declaring worthy, but they worship him declaring holy. Holy is the essence, the nature of God. It's the otherliness of God. It's the fact that our God, the Bible says, is not like anybody else. Amen? You can't compare God to anyone else because he is utterly and totally other. We call that his holiness. We also, however, worship because of what he has done for us. We, we, we talk about that around here. What you might have seen as you walked in, we say, welcome home. That's not just a phrase to us. That's not just a slogan. We believe that those are two revelations that Jesus gives us. He gives us the revelation that we are welcome in him. The incarnation, Christmas, the, the, the coming of God to us proves to us definitively once and for all that you are desired, come on somebody, by the Father. You are welcome. You are welcomed. You are pursued. That's good news. That's where Christians should say amen. I hope I'm preaching to some. If not, you'll have a chance later. You can, you can, you can join the team. We're welcome in him, but also we're home in him. We define home simply as finding our peace, finding our place, and finding our purpose in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And we worship him because of this, because of what he has done and who he is, because of what he has made us to be. We are sons of God. How do we exalt Jesus? How do we exalt Jesus? We saw this throughout this text. We see we, we, we exalt him. We, we exalt him selflessly, sacrificially, and scripturally. Amen? Well, to do it ourselves, you can't, you can't let somebody else worship for you. Nobody else can worship for you. Only you can worship for you. I, I know your grandma's a great worshiper. I know your husband, your wife is a great worshiper. Your kid, you, come on, have to worship for you. Only you can offer to the Lord your worship. We worship together, amen, but we don't worship if you don't worship. You have to participate. You have to engage. Something's lacking in our worship when you, when you, when you, when you hold back your external, come on, external, open your mouth and express, use your words, we say this to our kids all the time, use your words. We exalt, we magnify, we lift up, we, we make much of him. So we do it selflessly, we do it sacrificially. It should cost us something, amen? And it's scripturally. So, so we, we, a few weeks ago, we sort of defined what we meant by scripturally. I'm not going to go back over all of it, but I do want to just remind us of this. This is, how we, this is how we sort of landed that message. We said it is right and good for God's people to stand and sing praises to, to God, lifting and clapping our hands in his presence as we kneel and dance before the Lord. Some of y'all need to still learn the last sentence. Just saying, I love you. Kneel and we dance before the Lord. It's right and good for us to do that. So, so we've looked, come on, we, we've looked at what, we've looked at who, we've looked at why, we've looked at how. What, this morning, if you're taking notes, I want to talk to you under the title, When to Worship. When to Worship. Finding fuel and fragrance. I, I want to talk to you about wh- when do we worship because we've been talking, right, about corporate. But is that the only time that we ought to worship God? It's, is, is it only that we ought to externally express our exaltation of him when we gather together, or is it appropriate at other times? So let's go ahead. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to get into the word. John chapter 12, verse 1. Let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Before we get to John 12, you go to John 12. Go there. It's okay. We're going to get there, I promise. Go to John 12, verse 1. But before we get there, I want to just read a few verses just to sort of help frame out what we're going to be talking about this morning. This is Psalm 100, verse 4. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this. Be, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. That's a good verse. Somebody needs to hear that verse again. So I'm, 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 I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Let's all read that verse together. Everybody got your external expression ready? Okay, let's read this verse together. If you, don't, if you can't read, just watermelon your way through it. It's okay. 
2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this. Let's go. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Come on, that's a good verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. We, we sort of started with this. We talk about the New Testament, the new covenant sacrifice that we are to give to the Lord. I think Hebrews 13, 15 tells us, it says, Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, so what is the sacrifice of praise? The fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. How many people love the Bible? We love the word around here. John chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read this together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. There's so much packed in that one sentence. Like, and John's just like, whatever, you got it. Six days before Passover, Bethany, Lazarus raised from the dead. It's awesome. Verse two. So they gave a dinner for him. Who is him? Jesus. They gave a dinner for Jesus there. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charged the money bags, he used to help himself to whatever was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Verse 9, when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not on account of him, uh, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were being were going away and believing in Jesus. Let's pray together this morning, church. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the, the, the truth of your word. We thank you for the living, active, breathing nature of your word. We thank you, God, that, that your word is good because you are good. And in your heart to, to display and to demonstrate your goodness toward us, you, you gave us the good gift of your word that we might learn, we might, we, might, we might be trained to hear and to perceive and to discern your voice in the midst of all of the noise. So we ask this day, God, that you do just that. You teach us to hear your voice. Break through the noise. Break through the distraction. Break through the chaos. Break through the, 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 the constant stream of information that seems to flow into our life. And God, like, like a trumpet, Lord, would your voice break through that noise that we might hear your voice, that we might receive your word, that it might bear fruit in our lives being received and rooted and planted within us, changing and transforming and, and reshaping our internal self that we might reflect and respond a little more like Jesus. For your glory, for the good of all people, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Go ahead, greet somebody around you real fast and grab a seat. Amen, amen. It is good to be together, amen. It's good to have everybody watching in from home as well. It's good to be together. <clears throat> um, let's just dive right in this morning. I, I, think, I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves, it's easiest to, to engage in, in worship, right, which we define as external expressions of exaltation, right? It's easiest to engage in worship in the gathering, right? 
Come on, when, 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 you have a, when you have a worship team leading you, when you have the way prepared, when, when, when there's where's the momentum and the energy and the heart and the passion of everyone around, it's, it's sort of the easiest to engage there. But, but is that, come on, is that the only appropriate place for external expressions? Is that the only place that the, that the people of God ought to be worshiping? What we've been talking about, and I've been, I've been very specific and very open about this, we've been really trying to focus on corporate worship. Amen? As we've been learning about worship, I, I've been very clear that what we're talking about is corporate worship. And, and I've distinguished corporate worship from kind of the, the sort of very uh, hip and in right now, you know, personal, some people call it lifestyle worship. But we're going to get there. We're going to talk about that. But, but, but I've been trying to distinguish and say, you know, there's, there's a lot being said. There's a lot, of, a lot of talk around lifestyle worship right now. But I think, if I'm going to be honest, in the church, we've sort of neglected talking about corporate worship. When I say church, I'm talking about kind of churches like ours. I think, I think a lot has been established in the American church around the culture of worship. And so we think we don't need to talk about it. But I'm just, no, oh, I'm going to get in trouble I think we've just allowed, we've allowed experience, the experience of worship to cover up our ignorance in worship. And I say this, and I want to be really, really careful. We, we hear, people ask me all the time, I, I actually just met with a, a, a group of pastors, and they, they always ask the same question, what, what kind of church are you? You answer different when you're with pastors than when you're at, you know, a, a, a Jim, <clears throat> we'll say Jim, not, not the bar. Jim, when you're at a gym, when you're at a coffee shop, those are acceptable for Christians. When you're at a coffee, you, you answer different. Come on. Because when, when, when I'm just hanging out with people that, that aren't churchy, when they say, what kind of churchy? I just like, we, we love Jesus. And they're like, cool. You say that to a pastor, and they're like, yeah, but what kind of Jesus? Are you like gun-toting American flag Jesus? Are you feathered-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned Jesus? Are you social justice Jesus? What kind of Jesus do you mean? So, so talking to other, other pastors, you know, they, they ask, you know, what, when, they, when they ask what kind of church you are, most of the time they're asking you what denomination are you. And, and, and most people would call us a non-denominational church because we don't, we don't ascribe to a particular denomination. But personally, I think if you look across the spectrum of our church, what we really are is an interdenominational church. Because a, a lot of y'all came from jacked-up backgrounds. And, and some of them were church-jacked-up backgrounds. And so we, we got all kinds of church backgrounds in here. And so I want to be careful in that, that, that I believe God is moving and working through all types of churches. Amen? Like every, every church here, I'm going to say this boldly, and I mean it honestly, and I need some backup, especially from my elders. Every church in this city that's preaching the word, proclaiming the gospel, and making disciples, they are on our team. We're not in competition with any of them. I've told the story before, but I love it. I was having having uh, lunch with the pastor. This is back when you could have lunch out in public, and uh, we were having lunch, and and uh, that dates the story, doesn't it? We were having lunch, and, and and this 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 young person came by that that would sometimes attends our church and sometimes attends his church, and he goes, "Oh, you guys are having lunch together. That's weird. Aren't aren't you guys like you know in competition with each other?" And we, both, we looked at both of them. Neither of us batted eye. We said, no, we're on the same team. We're, as a church, come on, we're not competing with each other. In the winter, we're competing with the mountain. Come on. And in the summer, we're competing with the beach. We're not competing with each other. Okay, we're on the same team. But, 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 but I, I want to just talk about our team for a second, right? I want to talk about our tribe inside the team. Let me say it that way. Our tribe inside the team. We're worship people, amen? We're worship people. And, and here's, what, here's what I've seen in the church right now. I've seen, uh, I've seen people in all types of churches see the expression of our worship and, 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 and draw it into their context. So, so realize right now, you can go to almost any, any denomination, any type of church and, and, and hear worship, hear the same songs that you hear at this type of church. But, but what I want to tell you is this, our tribe, I'm on, uh, this, again, not knocking anybody else's tribe, right? But our tribe has a rich, deep history and DNA when it comes to worship. And my fear and why I've been trying to spend time on corporate worship here is because I fear that some of you came from denominational backgrounds and you, you sort of get the expression, but I don't want you to be ignorant of the substructure of why we worship the way we worship. I said this last week, I'll say it again, I'll, I'll die on this hill, that your theology is proven by your doxology. What you really believe about God 
Not what you, not what you claim to believe about God, but what you really, deep down at the core of your being, really entrust your life to and embrace about who Jesus is, will be proven by the way you worship him. Theology, the study of God, doxology, the expression of worship. Your theology, come on, is proven by your doxology. And sometimes, sometimes we can be guilty of claiming a theology that we, we, we disprove by our doxology. So I've been trying to spend some time really drilling down into this corporate worship. But what I want to do this morning is take everything we've learned about corporate worship and try to say that that should also be active in our private worship as well. I'm not to lifestyle worship yet. We're, 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 we're midpoint. You tracking with me? I'm saying that, that all this expression of, of corporate worship really should be rooted and grounded and founded and be a, be a corporate expression of what's always going on in our private lives. So, so I want to ask the question, when ought we to worship? When should we worship? Well, we, we've sort of covered this. This is where we've lived most of the time, so I'm, I'm going to go quickly on this one. When, we, when, when he fulfills his promise or we feel his presence. Right? That's, the, that's a good time to worship. Amen? Not just when you're in church, not just when you're gathered around with other saints, but, but any time that God, that God makes good, come on, and demonstrates His goodness towards you in fulfilling His promise, that's a good time to exalt. To open up your mouth, come on, and at the very bare bones minimum say, thank you. Thank you. You say, well, I'm not a very expressive person. Well, I don't know what idiot Graham you are, but you, you're supposed to just, it, the, the Bible doesn't give you wiggle room. Come on, somebody. The Bible says we ought to lift up our voice, come on, and thank him. So when we see his promise fulfilled, we ought to thank him. Amen? But also, I, I want to push us in this. When we feel his presence, when he makes his presence known to us, it is right and good, come on, for us to, 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 to praise him, to worship him, to thank him. His promise, come on, let me put it this way. Let me tie it back to what we've been talking about. His promise, when he fulfills his promise, we say worthy. When we sense his presence, we say holy. It's right and good for us to respond in worship that way. It's appropriate. It's appropriate to say thank you to God when he displays his goodness toward us. I, I love this quote. I've, I've quoted it before, but I want to read it to you. This is, this is, this is C.S. Lewis. He knew a couple things about God. This is, this is him talking about praise, talking about worship. Here's, here's what I love. I love the way he says this. But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely used to escape me. I thought of it in terms of, of, of compliments or approval or even giving honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world itself, he says, rings with praise. Lovers praise their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poets. Walkers praise the countryside. Players praising their favorite games. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy. Catch this, please. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. See, there's something about, there's something about the experience. Like, 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 have you ever gotten a gift? Somebody gave you something and, and they, they, they give you something and you, you think it's awesome. And it's amazing. And you're so thankful. And, and you think that you, you, you can't help, but thank them for it. But you also can't help going around and showing people. You can't help but, 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 but want to show people and, and talk about how amazing this thing is and praise the gift that you received. See, praise is, is built into our nature. We are designed to praise. So when he fulfills his promise, amen, we ought to praise him. It's right and good. When, when should you praise God? When you see his promise fulfilled in your life. When you prayed for that thing and God moved on your behalf. When you asked and he responded. When, when he does good to you. But also, there's this, there's this need in us to, to praise him just when we feel his presence. Now, now I want to be really clear and, and make sure that I'm teaching you properly. Jesus made you a promise to never, never, never leave you or forsake you. 
John tells us in 1 John that there is, there is a ty- there's a type of presence of the Lord. He says there's an anointing that abides with you. Doesn't go, it doesn't, doesn't come and go. It's always there. Jesus is always there. That should affect what you look at on the internet. Jesus, come on, is always with you. He's always with you. He doesn't, he doesn't come and he doesn't go. He's always with us. And, and without denying or diminishing that truth, God sometimes chooses to make his presence known in specific places, come on, at specific times for his own specific purpose. We call this in, in church world the manifest presence of God. So God is everywhere all the time. We call that the omnipresence of God. But, but there's a unique thing that God does where he, he suddenly, it's, this is how I experience it. I don't know how you experience it. It's almost like, it's almost like he, he, he just opens the veil and all of a sudden I see that he's there. He was always there, right? But all of a sudden the veil moves and I'm, I'm keenly aware of his presence. And when that moment happens, when God, when God steps in and he makes his presence known to you, I'm trying to teach you that the appropriate thing, whether you're in church or whether you're by yourself or whether you're surrounded by people, is to thank him for his presence with you. I want to tell you this, that when you do that, you begin to steward his presence and you'll begin to be more aware of it all the time. So it's right and good to, to respond when we feel his, when, when he fulfills his promise and when, he, when we feel his presence. So are we only then to respond in worship when things feel good, when things go right. I mean, that's kind of what we've been saying this whole time, right? Well, well, I mean, we respond when he, when, he, when he does right to us and when we feel like it. No, I think there's more appropriate times for God's people to worship. And I think Mary demonstrates this to us quite beautifully, that we ought to respond in worship, that we ought to have external expressions of exaltation when we feel empty, disconnected, and distant from God. In that moment, when, when you're in that moment, when you, when you feel a distance, when you feel empty, when you feel unfulfilled in your walk with the Lord, that is the moment, church, come on, that you ought to begin to exalt with external expressions. So I just don't feel like worshiping. There is no, there is no necessary uh, uh, call within the scriptures for you to feel a certain way in order to obey. Come on, parents, you know this. Take out the trash. I don't feel like it. I do. We're called to do this. We are commanded to do this. We are welcomed into the honor of praising the Lord. And, 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 and I find it really cool. I, I don't know about you. Sometimes when you, does anybody have this experience? When you read the Bible, sometimes something jumps off the page and smacks you in the face. You might have caught this because I, 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 I don't know that I was hiding very well. Every time I've read this passage publicly and every time I've read it privately, one sentence in one of the verses just kept grabbing a hold of me and I had to give myself to really sort of try to unpack and study it out because I knew there was more going on here than just what it seemed to say. It's John chapter 12, verse 3, the last part. Here's what it says, the, that the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I don't know why, but every time I read it, that little, I mean, John just sort of included that little, did he need to include that detail? Seems like, it seems like a throwaway thing, right? Like, well, kind of, duh. Like any, well, come on, anybody ever make the accident of buying your junior hire perfume or cologne? And they think it's not supposed to last until New Year's when they got it at Christmas? So they just start bathing in it? Like, I didn't need to know that the fragrance filled the house. Like, I got it. She cracked open a pound of perfume and poured it on Jesus' feet. I get that the house is filled. And yet John's trying to get some piece of information. The Holy Spirit is trying to get a revelation about worship to us. He's trying to get us to understand something. So I began to dive into this, and, and, I, and this is where I get that we ought to respond, come on, in worship when we feel empty. We ought to respond when we feel empty. The, the word house here could, could, could be, and it's, it's right to, to translate it house, but it's, it's really, yes, it means building and it means a, a property, but it also represents more what we would call a home. Come on, when we talk about home, we talk about family. We talk about, we talk about the, 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 the people that we, we share possessions with and the, and the wealth that makes that thing possible and the good and the, and the ground that that thing inhabits. It's more than just the building. 
And then the word, the word filled is a super interesting word. The word filled literally means to, to bring to completion, to satisfy, to, to top off, to bring to realization. When we worship, come on, this is what happens. And I, I, I want to pastor you through this. I don't, I don't want, I want to say this and I want you to hear it, hear me, I want you to hear it as liberation, not condemnation. That maybe the reason you feel empty is because you have not filled that emptiness with praise and exaltation of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not knocking you for feeling empty, okay? I'm trying to teach you how to not feel empty. I'm trying to, I'm trying to walk us to the place where you're not just wallowing in that place anymore. And, and what, what she does is she sees an opening. Come on. She sees an opportunity to, to express her, her love, her affection, her gratitude, her thanksgiving to the Lord. And so she takes it, and in that moment, she fills, come on, what, what, what didn't seem empty even, she fills with this fragrance, with this odor, with this smell, with this, with this evidence, with this proof of her offering. When we worship, fullness, completion, satisfaction is the result of our worship. This is why you need to worship when you feel empty. You don't, you don't lean into the empty. Come on, you press into him who fills all things in all things. We were made, come on, to be worshipers. And, and the only way you're going to feel fulfilled, come on, is by worshiping. Well, C.S. Lewis said it. Come on, it's not the culmination of everything in your life. It finds its, its culmination. The, the fullness, the completion finds itself in our praise and exaltation of him. Your sacrifice of praise, let me put it this way, pronounces completeness over your life. Your sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips, come on, acknowledging his name pronounces a completion to your life. Your life is incomplete without it. But the reverse then has to be true, that your life finds its fulfillment regardless, come on, of what any other ledger in your life might read. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Come on, there might be deficits in other areas. But when we begin to praise him, even in the midst of those deficits, the fragrance, come on, of our worship fills the void. The fragrance of our worship makes complete where there was lack and where there was limit and where there was less than before. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never be truly satisfied until you allow everything in your life to roll up into the praise and the exaltation of his name. Can I tell you, this delivers you from every addiction on the planet. It does. How, how can you say that? Because when, when addiction is simply evidence that you are allowing the enjoyment of oftentimes good things to terminate on those good things. Let, let's, let's, use, let's use an easy one that, that, that we're all guilty of. I sinned this way last night. Food. Oh, buddy, food. Food is a very easy idol for me because it's delicious. And no, pastors never talk about it, right? Because we're like, no, let's talk about other sin. Let's not talk about gluttony. That's, that's just, that's no. Last night, I was like, anybody, anybody fill your car up and you're worried that you'll never fill your car up again, so you just keep filling it up till stuff starts popping out the top? That was me eating last night. I was like, I can, I can fit another taco. I can do it. I know I can. I know I can. I believe in me. See, what happens when you, allow, when you allow the enjoyment of the experience to not find its completion except in the enjoyment of the experience, it never satisfies. It's true of food. It's true of alcohol. It's true of sex. It's true of money. It's true of any good pleasure in your life. When you, when you make that thing the thing, but when you allow that good experience, come on somebody, to roll up into the praise of his name. God, thank you for this good gift. Thank you. 14 tacos was enough. I don't need the 15th taco. I want the 15th taco. I will regret the 15th taco. 
it will come visit me at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Pastor, that's too much information. We don't allow these things to terminate. No, we allow it to roll up. So, so, so when, 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 you, when you enjoy, come on, fellowship with good friends, you thank the Lord for it. And you don't become codependent with other people. When you, when you experience an amazing, come on, uh, blessing at your job and you are promoted, you thank the Lord for it. And you don't become dependent upon that thing and think that that's where your, your, your source and that's where your supply comes from. This frees you from every addiction, finding completion in praise. But it, it does this. Here's why it does this, I believe. I appreciate C.S. Lewis, and I believe that. That's why I taught it to you. But I also think there's another reason. Yes, there's just a, a natural, come on, a reality of, of our, 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 our formation to be worshipers. But I think there's actually a, a deeper thing going on there than just that. See, you were designed to worship. But did you know you were designed to worship in his presence, not at a distance? And here's the amazing thing. We read it, do you remember? We read it earlier, so I've said a lot, so you probably forgot it. Psalm 104, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Here's how the passion says it. I love the way that, that, that Dr. Eugene Peterson says this. He says, you can pass through his open gates, check this, with the password of praise. With the password, come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. See, see yes, there's, there's this, this need for fulfillment and satisfaction to happen, and it doesn't happen until we praise. And I believe that that's part of what's going on. But I also believe that as we praise, we are ushered in. Come on, somebody. We are made, we are, we are made aware and we are given access into the very throne room of heaven. And we're able to step in. And that's where you are designed to visit once a week and then go live in hell for six days. Thory, you better get angry at me right now. You were designed to live there every moment of every day for the rest of your life. Whether you're a butcher, baker, or a candlestick maker, you are supposed to live your life saturated in the awareness of the presence of God. And you get there by thanking him. It's the password of, I love that, the password of praise. The password of praise. And if you forget your password, it's written in the book. We enter into his presence. We, we, we move into the goodness of knowing his presence. Pray, pray, praise is not an exercise in self-delusion, it is a declaration of selfless devotion. See, I'm not saying we just, we just praise God. We just thank, 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 thank you. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus, for my miserable, horrible life. Thank you, Jesus, for the spouse that I'm supposed to love. Thank you for my kids. <laughs> no, wait, listen, listen it's, it's, not, it's not about, listen, it's not about just, just name it and claim it and pretend like everything's wonderful all the time. It's about, we talked about this before. How do you, how do you di- drill down in? Yes, we thank him. Come on. Yes, we thank him for, for what he, for what he has, is doing. Yes, we thank him for what he has done. Yes, we thank him for what he has promised. But ultimately, come on, we thank him and we praise him for simply who he is. That's why it says uh, we affectionately bless his beautiful name. When I stand before the Lord and I say, listen, I, I feel empty. I don't feel like you're anywhere. I feel like you, you, you really do live in Hawaii and you won't let me go there. And I feel disconnected from you, and I don't feel like I'm, I'm able to find you. I'm still going to bless your name because I still love you. And I know that my feelings in this moment are lying to me. Because you promised to never leave me or forsake me, and you are too good to lie. And I can trust you even when everything in my life screams with evidence that you've abandoned me. I can trust that you are good and you have not abandoned me, so I'm going to bless your name. I'm going to bless your name. Here's what it says, 2 Corinthians 4.13. I love this. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and I have spoke. Open your mouth. Use your words. Well, I believe that's enough. No, it's not. 
I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and we also, we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into where? Where? Well, that's, that's, that's after we die. That's now. He brings us into his presence. The good news keeps going. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase what? To the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This is the verse that, 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 that proves that if you, were, if you responded to, if you were taught, if you were sold the pick Jesus, vote for Jesus, and everything in your life will go great, that person was trying to get money from you. Did he just say that? Yep. Outer self, wasting away. Inner self, renewed day by day. The gospel promises glory to glory. Doesn't mean everything in your life is always going to go great. Doesn't mean every day in your life is going to be awesome. It means that internally, regardless of whether your day is good or your day is bad, you can move from glory to glory. Amen? For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I have, I have wonderfully good or bad news for you. Choose your own adventure. Here's your, here, you ready? Anybody ready for good, simultaneously bad news? Because it depends on where you're at in your life right now. Here's the good news. The season of life that you are currently in at this moment will not last forever. <laughs> Some of you, that's the best news you've heard in months. And some of you are really mad at me right now because you're going through a great season. You're like, oh, no, this is just going to continue forever. No, it won't. The things that are seen are transient. That Greek word literally means like smoke. They look like they're solid, but eventually they just fade away. But the things that are unseen, come on somebody, the eternal things, they're here forever. So we praise not based only, come on, on the temporal seen things. We praise, we honor, we exalt him based upon the unseen things. So we said we worship when, we, when, when he fulfills his promise or when we feel his presence. We say we worship when we feel empty or disconnected or distant. Last thing. We worship when we don't see a path to provision and no possibility of the promise being fulfilled. When you look across the, 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 the layout of your life, When you, when, you, when you look and you see all of the terrain and all of the stuff happening in the world around you and you go, man, I know God has promises and I know he's said he's going to do good things, but I look and I, I see no way for any of this to work out right. When you look and you say, like, I, I, got, I, got some, I, got, I got some month left, come on, but I don't got any money left. When you look and you see that the rent is due and the paycheck is empty. And the bank account has been drained. When, 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 when you know, come on, that he's promised healing, but the doctors say you only got this much longer to live. When, when, when you know that the word says that he's working all things together for your good, but they still leave. When it falls apart, when the business that you poured your heart and your soul and your life and your passion and oh, by the way, all your money and all your relational collateral into fails. When you don't get the job, when you don't get the promotion, and you see no way of any of these things happening, at that moment in the face of that giant, in the face of that wall, that's when you stand up and you praise. You stand up and you thank him. Jesus does something amazing. You, you think I'm just making this up because I'm trying to motivate you. It's in the text. I read it to you. Did you hear it? See, she offers this worship to Jesus in just selfless sacrifice. She offers her, 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 her worship to Jesus, the feet of Jesus. Amen? Intimately, privately at his feet, yet publicly, corporately in a room filled with people. 
and Judas, we don't like Judas. Judas says this was wasteful. Had no bigger purpose. She's just making a scene. There goes Mary again, trying to be the center of attention. And Jesus does something so profound to me that I can't help but wonder if anyone in the room caught what he said. Because nobody seems to respond to it. He says, she's preparing me for my burial. He says, worship is actually gospel work. You see, here's the deal. Mary is responding. We can, we can infer, right? Like this is inference, so we're not going to build doctrine on it, but we can, we can infer. Mary's responding this way because Jesus raised her brother from the dead. We said before, without her brother in the society that she lived in, a patriarchal society, that she was without hope. She would have been abandoned. She had no, no male headship, and so, so who knows what would have become of her life. And yet, here's the truth. She's in a good spot now because she's got a brother back to life, right? But she's still in her sin. She's still lost. She's still separated, ultimately, from the Father. She's still... She's still in need of redemption. And Jesus says what she doesn't realize, even though she doesn't see a path to her salvation, even though she doesn't know how I'm going to bring provision, in this act of worship, she is prophetically declaring that her deliverance and all of y'all's deliverance is on the way. Worship, come on, is gospel work. Jesus elevates her actions beyond just what's happening here and says something prophetic is happening as she worships. Something supernatural is taking place. This, this passage starts out, John, John 12, 1, six days before the Passover. Six days before the Passover. Jesus was crucified five days before, five days from here. So one day before the Passover. So in five days, Jesus is going to be crucified. In five days, the blood of the Lamb will be shed for the forgiveness of sin. In five days, the veil, come on, will be torn. In five days, a covenant in the blood of Jesus will be made. A new, come on, Hebrew says, and a better way. She doesn't know that. She's, she's just stuck where she's stuck. She thinks she's got to continue to go through the motions of, 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 of offering sacrifices and going through the, going through, and going through, and going through. She, she thinks she's stuck in the same structure of society that she's always been stuck in. But little does she know. Come on. Little does she know. In five days, everything is about to change. And so she worships. See, sometimes we worship and we don't know that something prophetic is happening. Because I believe this, when we worship, I want to say it this way, when we open our mouths, he opens heaven. The sacrifice of praise, fruit of his name. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. What's the password? Praise. We open our mouth, he opens heaven. Even when it doesn't feel like it, even when it doesn't look, even when I see no possible way for that to happen. I don't just worship in praise. I don't just worship in petition. I worship prophetically. I stand before the thing that seems to be blocking my way, and I thank him because he's good. And whatever he does, he always and only does good. Worship makes a way. I, 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 hear that? Take notes, write that down. Worship makes a way. And now hear this. We don't worship so a way can be made. We worship because he's worthy. But when we worship, a way is made. We don't worship because we're, we're trying to do, you know, engage in spiritual warfare. But how many of you all have experienced when you worship, spiritual warfare happens? Things shift, things change, things alter, things move. We don't worship for that reason. We worship because he's worthy. But when we worship, a way is made. It's the password. Come on. We punch in the password of praise, and he opens. 
What I'm trying to tell you is this. Don't wait until the wall falls. Don't wait until the skies open. Start worshiping now. Not just when we're corporately gathered, but when, when that thing, come on, when that worry hits your brain, fight that thing with worship. Just begin to thank him because he's good. Begin to declare the truth of who he is. Acknowledge his name. He is, one of his names is provider. So we acknowledge that about him. We, we acknowledge his name. When we worship, when we worship, a way is made. When, when, when we worship and a clear offering of our worship is made at his feet. Come on, go before him and just lay your worship at his feet. Let others judge. Let others say you should be trying to figure your stuff out. Let other people say you ought to be working hard and trying to make a way for yourself and you just worship, come on, at his feet and let him provide a way where there seems to be no way. We worship. Let's stand to our feet. Here's what, here's what I want to do th- this morning. I want to lay out a challenge for you this week. Anybody ready for a challenge? Okay, we, 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 we before, right, like, like when we were learning about corporate worship, we gathered together in the evenings to worship corporately. We're going to continue those in, in, in about a once a month uh, pattern, so there's no worship here tonight, so, so enjoy your pagan, you know, pigskin worship, and uh, do that. But what I want to do now is, is if, if we're making the shift, right, from corporate worship to private worship, I want to challenge us in that. So here's what I've come up with. Here's what, here's what, here's what, here's what I felt like the Lord gave me. It's more spiritual if you say it that way. Um, three, three options. Because I, I, want, I, want I want you to take a step in your private worship. I want you to, I want you to push a little bit in your private worship. So here's, here's level one. Listen to worship music every day this week. Just at some point in the day, you know, for some of you, that, that's going to be a new thing. You're going to have to, you know, go on to either YouTube or Apple Music and, and grab uh, some, some worship music. Just take time in every day this week and just listen to worship. Just spend some time practicing this, this thing. Maybe, maybe do something real weird and actually open your mouth, sing along a little bit. Just in your own private time, just sing, just, just worship. Some of you are musicians. Take some time just privately by yourself. Grab your little ukulele, grab your little banjo, grab your little piano, grab your guitar, grab your mouth harp. I don't know what you got. And just worship the Lord. You got two spoons, you got an instrument. My hillbilly family taught me that. But every day, just take some time every day and and, and worship him. Daily, every day. Level two, level two. Only listen to worship music this week. Just take just I, I'm 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 not knocking other types of music. You want to look through my phone? I got all kinds of stuff. Some of it you're gonna want to leave the church. Sometimes you need angry music to lift heavy weights. Can I get an amen from anybody? Just happy doesn't do it. Okay, but this week, as much as you are in control, come on, because the grocery store is not gonna listen to you. Only listen to worship music. Just just get everything else off off the playlist and just, if you're going to be listening to music, it's going to be worship music. But just saturate your life in that. Level three, level three, here we go. Always have worship music on this week. Just make the commitment that if you're, if you're going to be home, your worship music is going to be on. Doesn't always have to be loud, doesn't always have to be booming. All, worship music is just going to be on all the time. When you're in your car, you're going to listen to it. Some of you have the, the capacity because you, you work from home or you work by yourself. Just have worship music on all the time. Just saturate yourself in worship. So three layers, three, three, three options, right? And then on Saturday, get together with your family, your roommates, whoever you live with, and just discuss what this week felt like. Was this week any different? Did anything shift? Did anything, did anything move? Did anything alter in yourself, in your circumstances, situation, whatever it might be? Was anything different this week? from last week. I challenge somebody, maybe if you, if you live by yourself and you don't have like a, a tribe of people, number one, you should find one because it's not good for you to be alone. And I get an amen from any single people. Not good for you to be alone. 
Maybe for you, you just take some time and journal your heart before the Lord and see what he might stir up in you. Maybe even get a little bold and post something on that, you know, social media thing you do. But let's take some time and let's, let's, let's give this week to growing. Come on. I'm going to say it this way. To growing corporately in our private worship. And here's what I'm really, I'm, I'm intrigued to see. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. I'm interested to see what happens to our worship together next Sunday when we've all been practicing his presence privately when we gather back together corporately. Then no longer do you need somebody to get you there, but you're already there. I want to pray for us want to move us toward response. I think it's right and good to respond when we hear the word. Amen. And, and we're going to respond a few ways. Let me just logistically first, and then I feel like the Lord gave me something for somebody. And so I, I want to be obedient. So we're going to respond the way that we, we feel led, felt called to do by the Lord. We respond three ways. Celebration, contemplation, and communion. Celebration. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. We're going to lift our voice. We're going to externally express our exaltation. Amen? We also believe in contemplation, taking time to allow the Lord to take what he has spoken to us and work it within us. Meditating before the Lord. Communion we do predominantly two ways. Commune one with another. We have a team of people that would love to stand and pray with you if you're going through anything in your life and you just need prayer. Here's what we say around here. Go to the cross. And a team of people back there that would love to stand with you and would love to pray with you. We believe that as, as we bring our needs to the Lord, he responds. Amen. When we pray, we say it this way. When we pray, stuff happens. Happens in us, happens to us, happens through us. They'd love to stand with you. If you're here and you would be honest with yourself and you would say that you are not in an abiding relationship with the Lord and, and you want to engage in that as, as we've worshiped, as you've heard the word, as you've heard about the goodness of God, you, you want to repent and believe the gospel. You want to you admit and abandon your sin and embrace and entrust your life to Jesus. They would love to stand with you and pray with you. So we encourage you to make your way over there. Second way we do communion is, is, is the traditional church way of communion. We, we offer this in a couple different ways now. Uh, if you feel more comfortable, we do still have what I lovingly refer to as Keurig communion, pre-made little packaged communion there in the back on the tables in the back. You can grab one of those and partake as you feel led. However, if you prefer to take the way that we traditionally take around here, which is a method known as antiquation, we do have that available, both gluten-free on the white table, regular on the black table. We take a piece of bread or wafer, dip it in the cup and partake. You're welcome to do that as well. No one will dismiss you. You can just make your way up to whatever way you want to take communion as we are responding. Do you want to remind you that communion is a gift given to believers, to the children, to the family of God? If you're here and you're not a Christian and you're just sort of checking this whole thing out, we're not going to ask you to pretend like you're a Christian and take communion. You can just sit this one out. You'll be all good. No one will even notice. Here's where I needed to get to. I feel like there's, there's if I'm going to be honest, I feel like there's a few people here that if you're going to be honest, as I'm talking about worship, you're just struggling with the idea of trying to worship in the face of what you're going through. And as I was praying for you before the service, this is the verse that the Lord put on my heart. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need password is praise to get you into his court it's not the court of a garden it's the court of a king but here's here's the, the two things I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that king is your father and his throne is grace that king is your father he's, he's good and he loves you he calls you beloved Maybe some of y'all need a refresher on this revelation that the, that the Spirit gave us a while back. Even when you're not lovely, you're still beloved. You said, well, you don't know what I've screwed up and you don't know how I've got myself in this mess and you don't know how I'm the reason why I'm stuck. Yeah, he knows that you're the reason. Trust me. He still calls you beloved. 
And the throne that he sits on is a throne, come on, of mercy and grace. So let's let's go, come on, let's not go meekly, let's not go sheepishly, let's go boldly to that throne and find the grace, find the help that we need in this moment. There's help there. The password is praise. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for your goodness toward us. Thank you that you are always and you are only good. God, we choose in this moment to worship you, to exalt you, to magnify you, to make much of you. God, in the face of our need, in the face of our struggle, in the face of our our lack, we choose to worship you in praise, in petition, and God, prophetically, we choose to praise you, to worship and exalt you, to make much of you in this place.